1: In each episode, we discuss the process of decision-making on a different topic from the business owner's or executive's perspective. We aren't necessarily telling you what to do, but we can put you in a position to make an informed decision on your own and understand when you might need help along the way. My name is Mike Blake, and I'm your host for today's program. I'm a director at Brady Ware & Company, a full-service accounting firm based in Dayton, Ohio, with offices in Dayton, Columbus, Ohio, Richmond, Indiana, and Alpharetta, Georgia. Radio are sponsoring this podcast, which is being recorded in Atlanta for social distancing protocols. If you like this podcast, please subscribe on your favorite podcast aggregator, and please consider leaving a review of the podcast as well. So today is a uh, is a bellwether show. Today we are recording show number one hundred, and um, I-, I can't believe that we've gotten this far, but um, it, it, we've had some some fascinating conversations. Some 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 wonderful guests. And, and frankly, I've learned so much, not just about the topics, but about the guests too. Some of these guests are people that I've known for a long time, but I've never quite had these same kinds of conversations as we've, we've had with the podcast. And based on the listener support, it sounds like, like you guys seem to think that this is useful too. And, and, and that's very gratifying. So, you know, given that most podcasts don't make it past episode six or seven, and the last podcast I did, Startup Lounge, Made it to I think forty two or forty three. This is um, I don't mind telling you that I'm really proud of this uh, of, of of reaching this this milestone, and uh, I'm I'm so thankful um, as I've said many times, but it, it never gets old to to you the listeners for supporting this and and for you know my firm Brady Ware for supporting this and you know the team we have with John Ray at Business Radio X and our marketing team and, and the guests who've been willing to come on and be be very open, be very vulnerable, be very frank. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sort of the lead guy on this, but it's very much a team effort, and um, I can't thank you enough. So my, my present, if you will, to you is, um, I think, a really fascinating topic and, and a very intriguing guest. So today's topic is, is you know, should I have a podcast? And, and I think this is pretty apropos because I'm asked a lot, like you know, why do you why do you do the podcast? It seems like it's a it's a lot of work. I and mean, I'm glad you do it. We enjoy it. But why do you do it? And what do you what do you get out of it, right? And and you know, being in the professional services world, I'm asked a lot. I'm asked frequently. Um, you know, do you get business out of it? And and that's a very complicated question. Uh, and I can answer very directly. You know, do I put out a podcast and then I receive five emails from people that need a business appraisal? The answer is no. Um, On the other hand, does, does putting out knowledge and, and, you know, contributing something, contributing a different voice to, to the internet and to the podcasting sphere, does that create brand? Does that create a way for people who've heard about me or about the firm from some other place to then sort of check us out and see if they like, literally, if they like what they hear? I do think that that has an impact, but um, I don't think you should believe me or take my word for it necessarily we have a, a very special guest that i've been um, I've been looking forward to this podcast. I don't think like any other. And that podcast is uh, uh, David Sparks, who um, I, I quote unquote, "know him" from the Mac Power Users podcast. And um, I'm going to talk about my relationship with that in a minute. Cause it, it, it sort of sets a table. You know, about uh, five or six years ago, I went into becoming a sole practitioner. Um did the same thing I think David did, just you know decided, look, I'm not gonna not gonna work in a kind of an institution anymore. And you know, I spent most of my professional life in the IBM PC world. But what had happened about two days after uh, I hung out my sole proprietor' shingle, every computer in our house just decided it was just gonna stop working. And here I am. I'm on my own, I'm stressed out. I have clients, but i'm I'm trying to build a company. I'm building a website you know, every day a new page is being, is being built. And all of a sudden I'm having to do tech support on my wife's computer and my two sons computers. And even mine was, was, was acting up. And so what I did that day or the next day is I, I, I backed everything up that I could. I took all those computers away and we went to the Apple store and we replaced every single device uh, except our phones, but every single uh, computer with uh with an Apple Mac. And, I had not been a Mac user since, since college, having moved into finance. It's just Mac and finance don't work all that, that well together. And so we sort of, sort of nudged over into the, into the PC area, but that had cost me so much time and so much in terms of, you know, nervous mental energy that, um, that I just didn't know, uh, you know, it, it just was unsustainable, but I remember that Mac's, no machine is perfect, but Macs just simply worked. And you just didn't have to worry about that stuff. And, and so we, we we migrated over to Macs, but the, the last Mac operating system I had used, I think was system seven, might've been system eight. And so I, you know, how am I going to learn how to do all this? And I happened upon the Mac power users podcast. And back then they're in the three hundreds of, uh, of episodes. And, um, you know, listening to them, listening to that podcast was helpful, not just because, they really were were excellent in getting me up to speed in how to use a Mac and integrate it into business, but it 's also a sneaky good business it 's also a sneaky good business podcast for the sole practitioner because you know David is a sole practitioner I think at the at the time his co host Katie Floyd was also a sole practitioner, and you know they talked about the things that were sort of day to day in my life that I was addressing It happened to be with the technology platform that I had, uh, that I had just converted to. And so, you know, that they became sort of my informal, sort of my informal mentors. And I, I frankly do not think that my, my business would have been success, as successful as it had been. And that transition would have been as successful as it had been, had I not, um, had access to that podcast. So, you know, when I, when I decided I want to do a podcast about podcasts, there was really only one person I wanted to get on the show and I'm so glad that that David Sparks, that David agreed to um uh to come on and 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 talk to us. So that's my background of why I wanted David on. Let me um let me introduce him because it's really, really a fascinating guy. Um, you know, he's an Orange County, California business attorney and considers himself a geek. I think he wears that badge with with honor. He's a podcaster, as we will talk about, blogger and author who writes about finding the best tools, hardware, and workflows for using Apple products to get work done. He writes for Macworld Magazine and speaks about technology. David has been a business litigation and non-litigation attorney for 27 years. His firm's name is Sparks Law and is as comfortable working with multimillion-dollar firms as he is with a few guys in a laptop. Um, that's California for you. One of the superpowers is using technology to secure the best outcomes for his clients. David helps clients negotiate and document agreements, catch and solve little problems before they become big problems, and generally helps his clients succeed. As I mentioned, David is also co-host of the Mac Power Users podcast. He also is co-host of the podcast called Focused and also, I think, Automators. Um, he publishes a daily Um, or Business Daily blog at maxsparky.com. David has also published and continues to publish Apple device-specific field guides and a gift-wrapping field guide as well. That has also saved my bacon because I am dreadful at that. And this year, I believe David has launched a uh, YouTube channel. David Sparks, thank you for coming on the program and welcome.
0: Thanks. It's my pleasure to be here. Congratulations on episode 100. That is no easy feat.
1: Well, thank you. As I mentioned, it's a team effort, but um, we got to, we got a way to go to catch up to you guys. You're on what? 569 something like that?
0: Uh yeah, we're recording that today. 5 uh, Yeah, you know I've on, honestly lost track. I think we're recording 570 something today. So yeah, we're up there.
1: And uh, hopefully we won't catch we'll never catch up cuz that means you'll never stop. So Yeah, um, it's fun.
0: I mean, that's I think that's one of the reasons why you get to episode 100 is you enjoy the process. And you feel like you're making a difference. So you just, you know, it, it's easy to keep going once you get that momentum rolling, just like anything in life. Right.
1: I, I think that is right. After a while, um, rather than the rather than the podcast being seen as something that you have to do, it's it's something that's just sort of baked into your DNA. And if you're not doing it, at least my body and my head sort of says, well, well where is it?
0: Yeah. Like it, w- if you take a, a week or two off through the holidays, maybe you get ahead or whatever and you feel itchy for it, then you know that, that, that it's got you. Yeah, I think that's
1: right. I think that's right. So, so David, I, you know, I, I sort of see you as a Mac guru. You you have so many identities. We're going to go through these. And I think that's a fascinating story, but I, I, I want to ask, and I know this because I listen to the podcast but our listeners maybe don't, you know, what Apple devices are you using on a daily basis and have you upgraded to Mac Silicon yet?
0: Yeah, um, I, of course I got one of the very first Mac Silicon Max. It's an amazing laptop. I I actually am trying to like scale back my my talk about this computer because I just can't get over how good it is. It's like, um, it's really fun when you are a fan of technology when you see something revolutionary happen because so much of technology is evolutionary. But what Apple did was just with one. Move. they doubled the battery life and tripled the power of a laptop and it's just amazing right and uh, it, it, the the bar has been reset so it's very exciting and and they're going to be you know expanding that apple silicon to other devices over the next year so lots to look forward to if you're a geek right now
1: and you know it doesn't hurt that's lots of content for for the podcast
0: Yeah, that that too. I mean, it it is crazy, Um, and uh, you know, people have been talking about this and whispering about the idea that Apple would take the Intel chips out for years now. And and um, I, you know, one of the things I like about Apple, um, and there, there's plenty of things I don't like about Apple too. But um, one of the things I do like about it is they're a very deliberate company, and you can tell that they have literally years of work into this transition, but then one day they just say, Hey, here it is. And wow. I mean, it is something else. Like I'm recording right now, um, on Apple Silicon on an Apple Silicon Mac with this podcast. And I don't have the power plugged in. I've been making podcasts for over 10 years. This is the first time I've ever done it without the power plugged in. And I have no fear of losing battery throughout this recording unless we talk for 10 hours
1: well we won't because i know you have another um, I, I would but you shouldn't so i and i know that you have a you have another podcast but i do have to ask this as one quick follow-up before we get into the podcast part you know i, I know you've been you've loved your um your imac pro is is that going to get relegated or in your world is there a role for both the you know the i did you get the air or the the uh the macbook air or the macbook pro
0: I have a MacBook Pro, but the um I have and as you mentioned earlier, I have an, an iMac Pro as well. So my my computer setup. I'm a two computer person. I have a big one on my desk with a big 27 inch screen, and I have the laptop. Um, I normally would be actually doing this recording on the iMac Pro, but my you know the pandemic has brought my kids home from school, and you know I live in California, so our houses are small. And um, so I have to do the laptop in a bedroom of the house now for podcast recording. Um, but no, I to answer your question, I use the iMac Pro way more than the laptop because, you know, the 27-inch screen is is a complete game changer. You know, I can have a Microsoft Word document and a web browser and two or three things on the screen at once. And I like a big window into my computer.
1: So... um now switching, switching gears, you know, the thing about, you know, I, I've listened to your podcast, as as you know, for a long time, I listened to focused as well. But you know, one of the things that I enjoy about doing this podcast, so even with people I know, I, I, you know, I do some homework before the podcast, and I learn about the guest night, even with people that I've known for years, I learned something new that I did not know about them. And, you know, in in your case, I mean, you do a lot of things. So do you have a day job? I mean, is there one thing that you describe as your day job, or how would you describe kind of what you do?
0: yeah it's kind of weird, and you were talking earlier about how you know the transition of making podcasts turns into getting clients for your day job and uh I could tell you stories about that it It does work, but it's 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 a very indirect route um but you know I started out a lawyer who just had an itch to scratch about being a nerd. I never really thought of this as an alternate career um and then i just started writing and that turned into book deals and that turned into podcasts and all sorts of things um but i have really kind of balanced them out i mean i spend probably about you know it's in the 50 50 range but some weeks you know the the balance slides between one or the other being a lawyer and being max barkey but um it really is a probably a bad idea to do two things. I mean, when you think about it, you know, how do you manage two very different careers at the same time? But I also put very specific boundaries around them. You know, there are things from Max Sparky that I turned down because I know I just don't have the time for it. And there are things as a lawyer, like I, I was a litigation attorney for twenty or so years. You know, I went to court, shined my shoes, made my case. And I got to a point where I realized that is just not what I wanted to do anymore. I mean, um, there's so much negativity in the litigation process and there were so many cases that I would win. And then the other side would declare bankruptcy or flee the country or something. And it just felt like I was, um, I I felt like I wasn't helping solve the problem. And, and I was very, at the same time I was developing my law practice into what I call preventative law, where, I've got all these, you know, small to medium-sized companies I represent and I spend a lot of my time helping them try to write their contracts in ways that they don't get sued and um avoid trouble. It's a but the downside is for a lawyer at least, um, litigation is like a bonfire of $100 bills. You make so much more money <laughs> when you represent somebody in litigation. Um so I um so I don't, you know, I just refuse I decided to give up the most lucrative part of my business.
1: Well, for what it's worth, I'm I'm right there with you. You know, my, my nominal day job is in business appraisal and you've probably used expert witnesses like me. Sure. And uh, I stopped doing that about three years ago um, for a lot of reasons, but one of them also was, you know, I, you know, I'm not sure as an expert I was ever solving a problem, right? No. I was, I was trying to win, you know, you're, you're trying to win a case and it's also one of the most lucrative gigs that you can get in, in my world, but you know, it's, it's, it, 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 it yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't really just sort of res, I don't, and I don't, um, how am I going to say this? I, I don't look down on people that, that do this for a living. It's a necessary part of the legal system, but you know, it's, it's not just for me. And, and, and I, it's, you know, it's also a grind. I would imagine if you were still in litigation because of the nature of, the cadence of the way that works, that would be very difficult to maintain one podcast, let alone multiple podcasts and eBooks and everything else that sure. you do too. Right.
0: Yeah. I mean, the thing that really ended litigation for me was a case I was working. I did a lot of, I have a lot of knowledge with trade secret law in California. That's a big deal. Yep. And uh, I had a trade secret case and we were, I was um, d- deposing the other side and he started, to Perjure himself, and then not only did he perjure himself, the lawyer, this young dumb lawyer, um went on the record and perjured himself as well. Lawyer shouldn't give testimony, but this guy, he was young and he didn't know any better. And I walked out of that room. And when I was a younger man, that would have been I would have been celebratory. I'm like, great, you know. As soon as someone perjures himself, you're going to destroy him at trial. It's right. just you know, it's a <laughs> foregone conclusion because you can prove lies, believe it or not. And uh, so I um but instead of feeling victorious i just felt empty you know and then i realized oh you know what i don't have what it takes anymore for this game because this stuff just makes me sad it doesn't make me happy yeah <laughs> and i started shutting down the uh, litigation practice and of course it took a year or so cuz i had to finish the cases i was in but i but once i was done uh, and and it's been great uh because although i did take a pay cut uh the work i'm doing i feel very enriched for and Whereas at one point I was wondering, am I going to have to get out of law to now? I'm, I feel like I could be a lawyer for the, for the duration doing the stuff I'm doing now. I really enjoy it.
1: So when, you know, think back to when you started the Mac power users podcast, it's got to be over a decade now. Yeah. What were the goals, you know, what were yours and, and Katie's goals when you, you launched it? What did you try to do?
0: Um, well, you know, podcasting is a is an interesting thing. To get into podcasting, you have to really love the subject that you're getting into. Um, I get emails from people saying, "Well, I want to start a podcast and you know make a bunch of money on it," and I just laugh. I mean, that it's not, <laughs> you know go get a job at McDonald's if you want to make money because you're probably more likely to do make money there than making a podcast but you have to it has to be something you're passionate about and Katie and I were friends and we wanted to make a, a podcast related to Apple and we spent six months figuring out the concept for the show because I did not want to make one more Apple podcast I mean there's a bunch of them out there uh, most of them are like okay what's the you know what's the next iPhone going to look like, you know, kind of podcast where they look at the news and rumors and they pontificate about them for an hour and then they leave. And, you know, and a few days later the content is useless. Um, and it's just, you know, the idea of talking news and rumors to me is like, you know, what's the point? So I didn't want to make a show unless I thought we could bring something to the table. And at the time Friends of ours who had successful Apple podcasts are telling us, you know, you're too late. You shouldn't do it anyway. There's already so many. What's the point? It's crazy. But I thought, well, if we had a different angle, if we could come to something. And, and then I asked myself, well, what is the podcast that I would like to listen to that doesn't exist now? And uh, that's how I came up with the concept of Mac Power Users. and. Mac Power Users is a show that takes on topics like, you know, we'll spend two hours talking about how to get better at email, or we'll have a guest in that scores movies and find out what they use their technology, how they make a movie with their, you know, musical score. Uh, So we try to find people who solve interesting problems or talk about solving problems with your technology. And uh, and Katie, my co-host at the time, said that's a great idea, but there's only like 10 shows and we'll run out of content and you know now we're on 570 so it's all good <laughs> <laughs> but but i do think the trick is finding something you're passionate about maybe bringing a different voice or a different idea to the table if you really want to you know make a podcast that's going to make a difference
1: so one of the challenges we have on our show and i i think this is a common challenge but but i may learn something here which is great is, you know, we struggle with tracking our, our audience engagement. You know, how, how do we know how many people are actually listening and you know are we making that impact other than the emails we get and so forth? How do you, first of all, do you track it? Do you bother? And if so, how do you go about tracking it? Oh
0: well, kind of. I mean, it's got a lot better when we first started. Um, the way Apple would distribute the podcast would be they'd break the audio file up into segments, so people like for one podcast, people would have like four downloads. And then if you saw the download numbers, they'd be, they'd be off because there'd be four downloads when there's just one. Well, now we've figured out ways to actually track how many people are downloading um, in terms of like audience engagement. Like, do you know how many people skip ads or how many people stop halfway through? We don't know. And honestly, I think that's a feature, not a bug. Um, I don't want to get real creepy with my audience about, you know, how much they're listening to. I do know that people listen, that it helps people. I hear from them all the time. Like what you said today earlier, just made my day. I just love hearing that something we did helped you through a tough spot. Um, But you know, I, I the problem that happened on the internet is the tracking bugs and pixels and all the things that people have done to get creepy about what people are doing on the internet um, that hasn't made its way to podcast. Podcast is built on RSS, which is a very open standard framework, and and not doesn't lend itself to those kinds of things. And the industry, I think, as, as podcasters, needs to kind of stick to that and not let advertisers and uh, you know people that are doing um, analytics come in and try and do all sorts of weird things to our audience. So we, we've actually kind of really stood strong against that. When advertisers ask us to do stuff like that, we tell them, thanks, but no thanks, we'll get another advertiser.
1: Yeah, so, so, you know, and I think that sort of speaks to the goal, right? Your goal your goal is not to turn this, I mean, it doesn't sound like your goal is ever to turn this into a marketing tool for David Sparks and Katie Floyd and now your, your current co-host, Stephen, but, but it's really about sort of helping people correct me if I'm wrong, but it's about, it's about helping people and bringing a voice first. And then if there's collateral benefits along the way, great.
0: Yeah. I think that, and I think if you do a good job of it, if you, if you keep your focus there, there will be collateral benefits. I mean, the, you mentioned earlier, I make the max Parky field guides. Well, I mean, there's a, the, I feel like they're good field guides, and a lot of people buy them for the content, but I know some people just buy them because they like listening to the show every week and they want to help me out. Yep. Um, when I went out on my own, I was with a, a firm for a long time. When I went on, on my own, a bunch of people approached me about being their lawyer and I had to turn most of them down. I'm only licensed in California, you know but the um but a couple of them made sense as clients and turned into clients. I mean, I had a, a New York Times best-selling author hire me as her attorney and she said, "You know you're the lawyer that's been in my ear for ten years once a week, and I trust you and I don't trust my existing lawyer and that you know that kind of stuff. You know pays dividends. so it's it those things come naturally. You don't need to force them or do something you know harmful to your audience to get them
1: so when when you and Katie set out to 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 um, publish this podcast, can you talk about kind of what the key to do list items were to get from idea into actual publication and and maybe this is an unfair question, but if if you had to do it over today, what, what might that look like differently? Cause you know, at a minimum, the technology has changed. So I have to imagine some of the steps might change today.
0: Yeah. I mean, it, the, the show um, Mac power users is a, a preparation intensive show. You know, like I was talking earlier about news shows, those shows you just get on and you read the news and you talk about it. But with Mac power users, we're going to give you a tutorial on email. We need to be up to speed on the latest apps and technology. So Um, We have a whole planning process. So once we decide on a show, it could be months before we actually record it. And we have an outline we share and we, you know, trade ideas back and forth and, you know, it, it just kind of evolves. Sometimes they come together quickly and sometimes it's a little harder rowing. And, um, but you know, a lot of the work gets done before we even sit down at the microphone.
1: And and I think that's, I think that's an important point that I want to, sort of highlight to our audience is that, you know, I, I, I see a lot of podcasts where it's it's or hear a lot of podcasts where it's obvious there's not a whole lot of preparation. And, you know, you 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 can tell. Um, you can tell when people are are prepared and they're not prepared. And look, there's some people that can go on a, they can turn on a microphone, record a show entirely extemporaneously and, and they can pull it off. Now, most of those people wind up working in you know, professional radio or something, but, you know, for the rest of us mere mortals, you know, I, at least I can say for myself for every show for every hour show I record, there's probably about five hours of prep and uh well, maybe three, maybe three to four hours of prep. And um, you know, with, with you as well, you know, every show you got to become an expert because you have to engage. If you have a guest, you have to engage with your guest at an expert level. You won't even ask the right questions.
0: Yeah. Yeah, but that's the fun part. I mean, for me, and if it is for you, then you're in the yep. you know you're doing the right thing.
1: Now, did, did you ever? Why did you decide that you're going to do an interview show? You know, you could have you could have done a show, or just sort of you and Katie or Stephen talking. But you decided you're going to have a guest in the show each week, which does make the show, frankly, a bit more complex. Why did you decide to go that
0: route? Well, the first year or so, Katie and I did it. It was just the two of us. And I felt like the audience was getting to know our opinions really well, but we don't have the only opinions on the planet. And I wanted to bring in outside people who were doing interesting things. I mean, uh, when someone is a guest on a Mac power users workflow show, the there's really two fundamental questions. It's, you know, what interesting thing do you do with your technology and how do you do it? And, we uh we it's not every week it's you know usually we try to do it every other week but sometimes it'll, you know we'll do two or three in a row and sometimes we'll go two or three weeks without doing one but we find interesting people like we just interviewed austin man who's the guy apple apple gives him their iphones early you know he gets he gets the pre-release iphones and he is an amazing um travel photographer And he took uh, some of the iPhone cameras and he hiked up the Narrows in Utah um, and took amazing pictures and showed what you can do with that camera. So I wanted to get him on the show, but we talked about what he did with the the Utah trip. But we also tried to turn that into, hey, if you've got an iPhone, how do you take a better picture? And so, you know, you, you just kind of figure out what the angle is. So that show turned into a photo tutorial as much as it did an interview. And, um, and so we, we do try to bring in people that have additional expertise or just a different look on things because I feel like every show you can bring something that, that someone can get. I mean, my goal for the Mac Power users and frankly, every podcast I make is that, um, number one, high signal to noise that if you listen, that, um, you know we we uh we goof off a little, little bit on microphone once in a while that's kind of fun but but we also really want you to get good content and the second big request for me is that every listener learn at least one thing useful in every show and you never know what it'll be and it's but if you you know if you do it right hopefully they get something out of it
1: do you ever struggle to come up with topics do you ever find yourself like, geez what are we going to and I guess you guys um, plan your shows out a lo- long way in advance, but do you ever struggle for topics or do you find that just the subject matter so easily lends itself well to topics that it's really more of a matter of just matter of just how to do the topic justice?
0: Yeah, it really, it's that, that latter, not the former, the, uh, you know, one of the great things, you know, when we made the show, we called the Mac power users because Apple made Macs, but now they also make iPhones and iPads Right. and, if you read the news, maybe cars. I mean, I don't know, but so Apple comes up with all this new technologies and that is just this constant source of material for the show. And then the underlying technologies are changing. Like we have done, I I talked about the email show earlier. We've done, three or four of them over the 10-year run of the show because every few years, email technologies change a lot. And, you know, people are trying to make it better and we want to bring the audience up to the latest and greatest. So some topics we go back to once in a while. Some things kind of come out of nowhere, but we really never have a problem um, finding topics. So what do you find is
1: the most challenging part about, about maintaining the podcast?
0: Um, I think it, and the advice I give to anybody who wants to get into a podcast is you absolutely have to bring consistency to the audience. If you make a podcast and you record and release one, you know, you know, every blue moon, you're never going to hold on to an audience because they want consistency. Like Mac power users drops every Sunday at 3 PM Pacific. And if you're a listener, you know, you're going to have it in your um in your car on Monday morning. I guess that's not as many people driving right now with the pandemic, but either way, you know that Monday morning when you, when you do whatever you do, that there'll be a new episode of Mac power users there for you. And I think if you want to get into this racket, you need to really, you know, make a promise with your audience that you can keep. Now, maybe that means you just release once a month or once every two weeks, Um, but be clear and stick to your schedule. And that, that's a hard part because, you know, things happen in life and, uh, you get busy and, you know, like me, I had like you too. I mean, you have other career that sometimes takes priority, but you know, you still got to make time and do it.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think that's right. Is that, is that, uh, you know, getting into the rhythm of, of just committing to, to be there. And I underestimated how important this was. And our, our producer, John's been really helpful in, in terms of educating, Me on how important that is, but but and you know as as I as I add podcasts, I I listen to more podcasts, and I probably should even admit, let alone do, but you know I do look before I add that podcast. You know before I'm going to invest in this, are they still active? Do they publish regularly, or is it you know just once every every once in a while when they they feel like it? Because then I feel like I'm kind of setting myself up for disappointment and there are enough opportunities to be disappointed in life that I don't need to make a podcast, a podcast subscription, a contributor to that. Um Amen. So uh, you've since added a second podcast focus. And I did not know this until I did research the third automators, you know, what, what motivated, I mean, what motivated you to, to add yet more podcasts? I think, I think that starts to get you into rarefied air that you're able to maintain and publish three high quality podcasts on a weekly basis.
0: Yeah, well, the the other two are not on a weekly basis because I was very deliberate with those that they would be once every two weeks. Um, So the way I manage the production is that every week I'm working on two podcasts, Mac Power Users and one other. And then that is a schedule I can live up to. And the other two were just opportunities where um, there were. You know, I, one of the things I tell people: if make a podcast, that there's something that you have to absolutely get off your chest. And um, that in both of those cases, there were topics like automators was is just a level deeper than Mac Power users in terms of automation skills and stuff that really doesn't fit into a Mac Power users outline. And then focused is, you know, you know, I, I also have the productivity bug, you know, how do you be more productive? And, and I feel like that, you know, productivity really is the wrong word. I feel like right now in this day and age, the real superpower is the ability to focus on one thing because we've got all these digital, you know, things that want to reach out to us, you know, Facebook and Instagram and all these things that can grab your attention And I think there's a real crisis for people trying to hold on to their focus, and so that was something I had to get on my system. So we we make a show talking about that.
1: And and you know, to, to me, correct me if I'm wrong, but I mean, on the surface, they seem like three podcasts, but there is a common thread. I mean, with all due respect, I know you don't like the term productivity, but I do see them as 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 different as different dimensions of. Frankly, business productivity. Um, yeah. One happens to be through yeah. technology. Another happens to be through process. Another happens to be through mindset. But but that really is sort of the core competency, isn't it? And probably it's it's fair to say. I mean, that's that's how you're able to do all this. I mean, you do you do a lot, but, um, and your family hasn't thrown you out. I mean, but you know, by the way you describe, it, you seem to have a great family life as well. You've you've achieved a certain level of of that, that elusive quote work-life balance. If there is such a thing to which many of us strive and I'll I'll be willing to bet you that productivity, that's, that's a secret weapon.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And just like getting focus and thinking about, you know, what is really important to you. I think it's really easy. If anybody sits down, one of the best exercises you can do is sit down and log everything you do over the course of a week or a month and just, look at it at the end and look at how much of it is just utter BS. You know, (laughs) how many dumb meetings did you go to and how many, you know, people find that there's a lot of extra time being wasted. And, you know, none of us are getting out of this alive. You know, we have a short amount of time (laughs) here to do something. So, you know, I decided a while ago that I'm just done with that. If something isn't really moving the ball forward for me, I'm just not going to do it. And, it's not that i'm super productive it's just that i'm super discriminating about where i spend my time
1: you know as as a a slight tangent but i feel like it 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 bears relevance here one one thing that's taught me about when you really sit down and think about how much time in our lives is just sort of sort of empty calories if you will is in uh, is in homeschooling we started homeschooling uh, my youngest son uh, who's almost 10 because uh, you know, just in our county in Georgia, they just have not executed hybrid schooling very well, and we just don't want to put our kid inside a classroom right now. And when sure. you start homeschooling, you realize um, you realize just how much time in a school day is wasted. You know, between I guess settling in between classes and 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 having to go only as as quickly as the slowest learner in the class, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. You know. <laughs> We, we find we, and it's not that my son's a genius. We, we don't think that, but it's, it's, it's that just through, through, through squeezing all that out, we get through easily a very rigorous school day in about three hours. And and then we're kind of, well, now what do we do with them? So, yeah.
0: um,
1: yeah. it sounds like you found that as well, kind of another aspects of your life and that, you know, technology focus and automation has helped you kind of maximize that
0: yeah to you know to the best of my ability and and honestly i fail at this stuff just as much as everybody else i mean um i'm not you know if you listen to the focus podcast we apologize like every episode because so many of these productivity you know i've got open quote gurus they're just full of crap i mean so much of this stuff is hard and we all make all these mistakes and you know, I think we all just need to acknowledge we're humans, and we're all doing our best under difficult circumstances. Sometimes, extremely difficult circumstances right now. But if you just try and bring some intentionality to the board, maybe you can get a little better at this stuff, and that might make a difference.
1: So, you know, around your podcasts, you've managed to build some community around it, and and I'm I'm curious: is this a, is did the community arise because you had a a conscious effort to build it or did it just sort of arise organically where you just have all these raving fans and and they just, they just love you and they love the show and there's a community that just sort of built around that organically.
0: Yeah. It's a little bit of both. I mean, the, um, we started with Mac power with a Facebook group, but I am not comfortable with a lot of the things Facebook does and, it was a really big Facebook group, but I felt like that we were doing a disservice to our audience. It, you know, kind of gets back to the whole thing, you know, they got they're being monetized by Facebook and they're being tracked by Facebook. And I I just it never sat right with me. So um several years ago I started researching it and we decided that there was a, a technology called Discord, which is an open source um old school uh, forum you know technology and i decided we're just going to move the whole thing there we're going to shut down the facebook and everybody told me it was a mistake and that we're going to lose audience members and everybody's going to be angry with me and honestly within like six months of doing it we the, the the discord forum is double the size of the facebook group and everybody's happy and needs being tracked and the the most delightful thing for me is when i search a problem i'm having on my mac and i find the answer in the mac power users forum <laughs> sometimes written by me which is kind of sad but you know <laughs> but yeah so there's this big community i i actually don't engage with it enough i uh i get in the forum and, and participate a little bit but i'm i'm pretty busy with the stuff i'm doing and I I think one of my big regrets is not engaging with the audience at the forum level more often, but it's hard, you know, I mean, I got to keep making shows.
1: Well, you know, I mean, you can't do do everything. And it it sounds like one, one skill that if not mastered, at least you've, you've certainly grasped is, you know, the need to say no. Right. And every time you say yes to one thing, you're saying no to something else. And uh, yeah. Clearly, the forum is, has not has has not suffered. And I, I, I will say this. Before I look for tech support on even Apple's website, I go to the forum. I'm, I'm, I'm much yeah. more likely to find an existing <laughs> answer. or Somebody's going to answer my question within 30 minutes.
0: Yeah. Um, and we have an amazing audience. I mean, it's, that Power. Is, I, I can't believe some of those people listen to us because so many of them are smarter than me.
1: <laughs> well, you know, sometimes it's not even about being smarter, I, you know, you use a term I really like, which is voice. And, you know, sometimes the voice makes all the difference. And, and, you know, I, I like your stories where, where you tell where you talk about people trying to discourage you from doing another podcast, because people felt that there was no room. But, I, you know, I encourage people who want to do a podcast or a blog. You know, everybody does have I think everybody has a unique voice that that they yeah. can share with the world. And, until we start cloning, that's just not going to change.
0: Yeah, um, and even then, the clones aren't going to be cooperative. Just wait and see.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, if if science fiction has taught us anything, right? <laughs> that's that's going to be dangerous. So, um, now you know, coronavirus seems to be launching, motivating a lot of podcast launches. I don't know if that's because of boredom or, or. Desperation because you can't get out and do the conventional networking that a lot of people used to like to do. Um, do you have any general adv- pieces of advice for people that are thinking about taking the plunge and starting a podcast? Other than you already talked about, you know, making a commitment to consistency, um, and we talked about also, you know, thinking about what it is unique that you can bring to the table. Is there any? Are there any other pieces of advice that you could give to people that? Um, you know, maybe thinking about this and help them understand if whether committing to a podcast is a good decision for them or not.
0: Well, I think, you know, like, like I said, come up with a concept and commit to it. But I think the other mistake a lot of people make is they run out and they buy a lot of equipment they don't need. Um, if you're starting a new podcast, um, there are articles out there that will tell you what gear to buy and don't start with the most expensive stuff. Um, uh, for many years at the beginning of Mac power users, I made it on a $200 USB microphone and a pair of headphones. I bought it at target and <laughs> it was just fine, you know? So, and I've upgraded the equipment, you know, gradually over the years because I got more invested in it. And I wanted to kind of up the game, but um, getting into the equipment early is like the guy who buys the $400 running shoes before he's actually gone out and started running and you, you don't want to do that. So, Take your time. uh, Get your idea together. Get a basic set of equipment, but get some equipment. I guess the the flip side of this: don't just talk into your internal microphone, uh, because there are plenty of people with good ideas that won't get enough equipment to to make a listenable podcast. You know, and um, but the the great thing is these days there's so much, so many resources on the internet that can help you. Um, So it's just not that difficult. I mean. You can do it.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, for my own home studio, this, this, um, uh, blue Yeti microphone was, uh, was $90 on sale. And, um, yeah. it, you know, it, it does a job and it, 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 it is fun to go out and buy all that stuff, but then it is, it can be kind of daunting. And by the way, too, if you buy all that complicated stuff, you got to figure out how to set it up <laughs> and, you know, if you've never worked with a mixing board before or something or an audio interface, um, all of a sudden that stuff may never get used.
0: Um, yeah. and well, I, 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 ju- I just updated my um, my microphone interface and literally just like in the last two weeks, and I still haven't figured out how to get audio out of it. So <laughs> I've got my headphones plugged into my Mac right now because I've got to set aside an hour to figure out this thing. That's not the stuff you want to be doing when you first start making a podcast.
1: Yeah. I mean, you, you want to create less friction for yourself, not more yeah um but you know building upon that actually i mean was you know y- y- do you guys do you guys do your own publishing and editing or do you farm that out and and that's part of a that's preamble to a larger question which was what was the technical learning curve like to initiate a podcast and yeah
0: and and when we that? did mac power Use at the beginning we edited it ourselves in GarageBand. um there was a great app, and they it just came back, called Levelator. And so we would do the edit in GarageBand, then we would run this app called Levelator. And it's now in the Mac App Store, so that's awesome. And what Levelator does is it balances the levels of the voices, because if you listen to a podcast and one person's really loud and the other person's really soft, and you find yourself driving down the road with your hand on the volume knob of the radio <laughs> so you can hear it you know that's a bad podcast right so so we got like the basic tools to make a an a passable podcast and we did it ourselves for years at this point we actually do have an editor there's a kind of a friend of ours who does this professionally it's very good he does it faster and if you look at you know the value of our time it's much cheaper to pay him to do it so we don't do the edit anymore but because we spent all those years doing the edits we give him very good notes and he knows exactly what to do and we've kind of got a good relationship. But, but uh when you're starting out, you don't need to go hire an editor. You can do it yourself. But if you want to, there are a lot of people out there on the internet that, that for money will do the edit for you. If that's the thing holding you back.
1: Yeah, and if it's basic editing, you know, it doesn't have to be somebody who's you know, a hundred bucks an hour. You can, you can get somebody on Fiverr, for example, that can do a creditable, job if you're not getting too fancy
0: yeah and podcasts don't need to be that fancy
1: no not not generally so you you talked a little bit in passing about sponsors i would like to i would like to ask that because uh you know i do believe you do actually do have sponsors but yeah you don't take everyone that necessarily wants to come on because they you know the 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 creepometer sort of goes where you don't want it to go but yeah, at what point does a podcast become sponsorable and maybe you can talk about what point did your podcasts start to attract the interest of, of paying sponsors.
0: Yeah. It, it was funny for us. Cause we, we really were trying to scratch an edge. We didn't think too much about sponsorship and back then podcasts weren't the institution that they are now. So it really didn't occur to us early to like look into sponsorship. And then we had a sponsor approach us. It, it, it's a sponsor has been with Mac power users for years, text expander and, and smile. They wrote us and said, Hey, we'd like to sponsor your show. And we are like, we said, well, we've never had a sponsor. How much should we charge you? That's our <laughs> response to them because we didn't know, you know, and um, over the years, we've got better at it. You know, the, um, you know, the the thing with sponsorship is, you know, they, there isn't that many analytics about podcasts, but you do have a pretty good idea how many people are downloading your show. If you have any sort of distribution system. Um, so, you you know, you've got those numbers and the point i always make to sponsors is with a podcast you've got a you're buying into a trust level between the host and the audience because the host the audience has a trust level for the the host because they've been listening to this person for some time so that's what you're paying for and as a result you know if it's a new sponsor we always insist on testing the product and looking into it we don't just take anybody that comes on because the trust level with the audience is way more important than, um, than a, um, any, you know, check from one sponsor. In fact, we had a a longtime sponsor that made some bad decisions. And I don't really want to get into it on the, on this interview, but we, we, we sent them their money back and said, you know, this isn't working anymore. And um, so, you know, you just got to kind of like be careful with the sponsorship, you know, because you have that trust level with your audience. But at the same time, there's nothing wrong with getting paid for doing this. It's a lot of work.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, I, I think I think there's a I think there's a neat lesson in there too, and something I I you know when I work with my clients and people I mentor, you know, you don't define yourself by what you do. You define yourself by what you don't do. And you know, when when you decide to turn down a sponsor and even take that more extraordinary step of you know returning cash, you know, you're you're drawing a line in the sand. You're saying, you know, this is what we're on one, one side of the line is what we will do. And on the other side is what we won't. And that's, that's where the definition comes.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, So we talked about your approaching 600 episodes, you know, and you've got two more podcasts. I mean, what is it that keeps you motivated to do this? I mean, is it, is it just the love of the topic? Is it, I just don't know. I don't want to I don't want to lead the witness, so to speak. You know, how, yeah. how do you keep going?
0: Uh, well, I have never felt like I wanted to stop doing this. In fact, I think if I stopped doing it, I'd be really sad. Um, I I enjoy, um, uh, I, I think what I enjoy most is the stories that I heard at the top of the show where something I did helped you through a tough time. I mean, I mean, we all, I mean, all of us going through life just want to help other people. I think fundamentally, no matter what we choose as a profession, we're really, I think as humans, very motivated to help others. And, um, so, you know, I, I talk about it in my law practice. I have big touches on people's lives. I help them with big problems with my max sparky stuff. I have little touches on people's lives, you know, but when I get an email from someone saying, Hey, thanks for that tip. Now I'm getting my work done faster and I get more time with my kids or something like that. It just, it just makes me so happy to know that I can make a little difference with somebody's life. So that, I think that's the drug that keeps me, but also uh, there's more to that. Like I've become friends with members of the audience over the years and the forum. And, you know, I have a very big friendship with Katie and then Steven, who's my co-host on my power users and just the, the kinship of making this thing with another person. And I guess that would be another piece of advice I'd give you. Don't make a podcast without a partner unless it's a guest show, because you're having one person talking to the mic alone all the time. It's hard for an audience, you know, have, have another person there um and then the uh you know but so there's a whole lot of different reasons why and um you know i guess i think what would happen if suddenly nobody liked the show anymore and we had no sponsors would i stop doing it um i think i still do it <laughs> <honestly>. <laughs> i just like making it you know and and i i suspect that there'd always be an audience for the stuff we're talking about but i guess we'll see
1: David, um, this has been a great interview. We're, we're running out of time here, um, but um, it, you're already fielding so many requests. I'm almost reticent to ask you this, but I'm, I'm going to anyway. I'm going to push through. If somebody does have a question they want to follow up about starting a podcast or keeping it going or improving the podcast they're already doing, you know, is there a way that they're, they can contact you? Are, are you receptive to that? And if so, what's the best way for them to do so?
0: Yeah, uh, go ahead and send me an email. Um, at the website, it's, a uh, it's David at maxbarkey.com. I can't promise I'll be fast in response. <laughs> <laughs> There's just an uh, email is a challenge, obviously, cause I have a lot of it, but the, um, uh, but you know, it, it really is, I mean, the advice I gave on the show really is, is what I would tell you in an email as well Is just find something you're passionate about and just go start making it. Um, you know, it's easy to, um, to think about a show, but until you start making it, you don't really know and, and be willing to make 10 bad shows as you figure it out. It's okay. Don't let the fear of perfection keep you from starting.
1: And look, first couple of shows, nobody's listening anyway. So yeah. <laughs> um, well, that's going to wrap it up for today's program. I'd like to thank David Sparks so much for joining us and sharing his expertise with us. We'll be exploring a new topic each week, so please tune in so that when you're faced with your next executive decision, you have clear vision when making it. If you enjoy these podcasts, please consider leaving a review with your favorite podcast aggregator. It helps people find us that we can help them. Once again, this is Mike Blake, our sponsor is Bradyware & Company, and this has been the Decision Vision Podcast.